Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, June 8th. This is episode number 201. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. You can find him at Sloop Doggy Dog on Twitter if you wish. Jeff, how are things going? Two words, Rod. Seasonal allergies. (laughs) So, spoiler alert. Um, I'm drinking hot tea with honey and lemon. Um, wow. and if, if there's a little bit of dead air, it's because I'm off mic blowing my nose. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, Jeff, I was out, um, I was out working in, in the yard Saturday and, um, I had been out for a couple hours and I, I just got like this, this tickle in my throat. Um, yeah. you know, and, and it was like 11 o'clock already. So, so I had a beer open, you know, and, and I'm, and I, I start coughing and I have a little bit of the beer and it wasn't doing anything. I went inside and I got something to eat and grabbed a cough drop. <laughs> it took me about a half hour to stop, to stop coughing Wow. from all the stuff that was going on. I'm like, what in the world? So I don't know if it was from you know, some of the stuff that's in the air from the from those wildfires or if yeah. it's just allergies or if it's just how dry everything is or what. But I or maybe all of the above. Maybe it's everything. But, man, it, it was miserable. Uh, so it took me a couple of beers to finally wash it all down. Right. <laughs> yeah, so pretty bad. But yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully you make it through uh, through this. But if we <laughs> get do my if best, we, if we Put catch some dead air, we'll, we'll know. I'll, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so hey, we're we're gonna bring our guest in. Um, everybody knows uh, everybody knows him as as Clee West on Twitter. You can follow him at erj man las vegas. Uh, it's Greg Urjavac. Greg, how are things going? Going good, Ron. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing doing great, man. Um, yeah, it's great to have you on. All right. Well, I appreciate being on, and uh, thanks for the invite. And uh, let's talk about the Browns. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, as as hard as I've tried to invite everybody, I'm like looking. I'm just like looking. Who haven't I had on? And I and I looked, and I'm like, I've never asked you to come on. So I'm like, we need we need to invite you on. And so so it's good to have you. So looking forward to talking some Browns with you. Before we do that, we're gonna we're gonna talk about what you and I are drinking because we know what Jeff's drinking already. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about what Jeff's drinking because there's like there's an old I don't know if it's an urban legend out here in Vegas or not, but um, people that drink hot tea, they that's a sign that they haven't had enough sex. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard never heard that one before. <laughs> I'm not. Is that, that just I'm a Vegas about. thing? No, that's just the real thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 that's okay though. It's okay. <laughs> based on based on the redness of my nose, that's probably not about to change anytime soon. <laughs> <All right. laughs> anyway, well, I'm I'm drinking an 805 uh, called 805. It's made by uh, Firestone Walker in. Um, California, Northern California. It's a lager, something I'm trying to get away from domestic beer. Like I used to drink Budweiser, like that was my go-to drink, but 
Uh, I also drink sometimes the uh, Modelo. It's a Mexican beer. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar to the 805. It's a lager also, but made in Mexico. And it's good. Excellent. So you just do you just drink the regular Modelo? Or yeah, drink- the Especial. Yep. Especial. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Any Modelo is good. So yeah, yeah, I like Modelo. I was surprised when the first time I tried it a few years ago. It's it's a, it's a good beer. Well, if the 805 is anything like it, that's good too. Then it is. It is. Uh, they're a regional um, brewery up in uh, Northern California. It's pretty popular out here. At least it is for me. <laughs> but uh, it's <laughs> that's all, all that matters, the, man. It's all it's in all <laughs> the convenience stores and anywhere that bars have it. You know, it's a good beer. Nice, nice. Well, guys, I'm drinking. I'm drinking another Kona, so another um, another liquid Aloha beverage. Um, this is brewed in Hawaii, and it's uh, the Kona Big Wave Golden Ale, which is which is kind of saying it's kind of the the uh, the most plain of the Kona beers, but okay. um, it it's got a good flavor. So, um, and yeah. you can. Yeah, I don't know. I still think I taste a little bit of, a little bit of Hawaii in it. Yeah. Um, not much, but you know, you're right. drinking Kona. It's kind of just the suggestion that that it's from Hawaii, so you just think it tastes a little bit better. Uh, yeah, I can understand. It's brand. <laughs> it's branding. It is absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> got this. Cool. It's got the big wave on the front and the and the people on the big uh, canoe and stuff. So yeah, so it's a cool can and. I mean, it, it's refreshing. So I, I I would never turn down a Kona. Uh, okay, so I noticed like over the years, Rod, you and I, and also Jeff, we followed each other for a long time on Twitter, and um, I noticed uh, Rod that you're you're a connoisseur of beer. You've showed so many pictures, so many examples of different types of beer. <laughs> I I'm have. Not, I'm not quite that. Uh, I'm a connoisseur, but uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> but but you're getting there. I mean, you're you know you're drinking, you're trying this stuff, and you know you've uh, you're shifting from just just reaching for a Budweiser. So yeah, yeah. you know that, that that's where it starts. I mean, there there are people who have had way more beers than than I have. That's that's for sure. So um, again, well, it just goes to. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and it goes to really just finding something you like, anyways. Oh, for you know? sure. For um, sure. That's really what it's about. But I try, I try just about everything. I'm pretty against like the super dark beers and you know, pale ales and I don't know. But I, I was, I was hooked on domestic for a long time. <laughs> but now it's uh, these 805s are good, and yeah. So I explore a little bit. I'll try just about anything and decide what I like. Well, you probably have to work your way up to the really dark ones and the really happy ones, you know, from where you've been. So, you know, you just kind of dip your toe in here and there. (laughs) And you stick with what you like. That's just how it is. So So I like learning to like IPAs, right, Rod? Uh, very much so, yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I didn't like IPAs, and now, honestly, if I, a, a straight IPA or a double IPA is still not the first thing I'm going to order, but if I see a hazy IPA that looks good, 
it's it's one of the first things I'm going to I'm going to order now. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of IPAs. I'll be honest. Yeah, I can't even drink them. Well, if you get a chance to try a, a hazy IPA or a New England IPA, give one of those a shot first because they're they're not quite as hoppy and training wheels well yeah they have a little bit of training wheels but honestly they're they're really good um yeah that's my commercial for those but yeah (laughs) (laughs) and honestly i i can drink an ipa now and and enjoy it a lot more but some of them are still too hoppy for me it just depends on the ipa oh for sure it's like anything else yeah yeah Man, that was a long, that was a long segment, Jeff. Um, I know it's like some kind of record for the yeah. The, it was pretty close to it. Blitz but, beverages segment. But, yeah, but we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> covered a lot of ground there. So, so let's uh, let's go into some some Browns talk. Um, Browns news, uh, guys. A lot of stuff going on. So uh, let's uh, really no apparent order. I guess uh, the last thing to happen that, that I saw was the or Jeff, you saw this first. You sent it to me. Was the uh, the Harrison Bryant um, renegotiation of, of his uh, contract. So yeah. uh, so he's on a $1.75 million uh, guaranteed contract. I think his old contract was, what, uh, 2.7 or 2.75? Yeah, 2.7. was not guaranteed, right? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he was probably almost guaranteed of being cut um, to save cap space. Um, and now he's pretty much guaranteed of a roster spot. So, you know, over a million dollars, you know, just slightly less than a million dollars did that for him. So good, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I saw this, this could reach $4 million with incentives, but I didn't right. see anything about what those incentives were. Did, did you guys see anything about what those no, were? I, that, I, not, I, that might not be out yet. Yeah, no, I, I did not. I think they restructured because, um, he, they're guaranteeing he's got a spot for 2023, pretty much. That's what the the restructure was about. I think the second year is when, what Rod's talking about the um, the incentives. There's a possibility he can make more money than he would have with his original contract in year four. You know, right. So that's a good thing. We know Stefanski likes tight ends. I like Harrison Bryant. He does fill a role. I think he only had, well, about 31 catches last year. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I mean, they, they're they saying that the offense is going to change. You know, we don't know what that's going to look like. But we're all assuming, at least I'm assuming, that it's up and down the field, like Eric Coriel. <laughs> you know, we got mm-hmm. Watson, you know, and um, – in a full season now. So I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but we know Stefanski likes to use his tight ends. I think Harrison Bryant, he's, I, he's a, he's a roster spot. That's relatively cheap. You know, they stay within their guardrails and they, they got in Joku, obviously he's playing for a second spot. And then they signed uh, the free agent. What's his name? Akins. Jordan Akins. Jordan Akins. So, that's what I read. It's going to be like a competition between Aikens and um, Bryant this year for sure. Now that he's signed that restructure, yep, for the second spot. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a minute, Jeff. Can, how do you see that? Because Jordan Akins is, uh, I think he's a little bit he's a little bit bigger guy, is he not? I don't have their, yeah. I don't have his his height and weight in front of me, but I, to me, Jordan Akins is more. You know, um, I I think he's probably. I mean, I'm sure he's a better blocker than Harrison Bryant, first of all, but he's also probably going to be more of a red zone target. And I think Harrison Bryant would be more likely to be the guy out there between the twenties. Um, yeah. I would, I would characterize them as, you know, sh- short yardage guy in, in Aikens um, and a guy who can, you know, get you the yardage um, and the yards after catch from the, you know, the longer yardage situations in Bryant. So I think they're complementary. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure that this is the best, decision for Harrison Bryant um, financially. So Mm -hmm. if I'm reading the tea leaves, it tells me that he must think that he has a pretty good opportunity to showcase himself by sticking around here for another season. Um, Yeah. Because otherwise I think it would have made a lot more sense for him to just be cut, catch on someplace else where he would, you know, get more catch opportunities um, to try to get that next contract. Right. So um, I, I don't, he must not view this as, you know, I'm a, I'm the third tight end behind those other two guys that I bring a slightly different skill set, And I think I'm going to be utilized in this, this new version of the offense that Greg was talking about. Huh? Well, I, that's interesting because yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to fill that. If he believes that, then good for him. You know, right. Right. There, there's also, now this is a stretch guys, because these guys are athletes and they're paid to do a job. But what if he just wants to be in Cleveland? What if he loves his team and loves, you know, where he thinks his team's going? I like that. And he that. wanted to be here. You know, I it, like that. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah, you he's know, here for at least another year, so he's secure, right? Right yeah. now. And then he's going to see what happens. He's going to gamble on himself, it looks like, a little bit. Yeah, you know? right. Because I agree with Jeff. He, you know, if he gets cut, he can go to any number of teams and and be and easily be the number two tight end. I think probably, and he, yeah, and and probably get more targets, more yards than what he's going to get here. Yeah, because he's got a couple of years under his belt, you know, right now with the Browns and uh, that that with the tight end spot especially takes a long time to learn how to play that spot. I mean, no one's gonna be like Travis. <laughs> There's not a lot of people going to be like Travis Kelsey. Or, yeah. You know, some that, the, that's not the bar. That's just not no, the bar. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's not the bar, but uh, it's fine for him. I like it. I like keeping him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he'll be here. I've always been a fan. I've always, you know, I've always thought the potential was there to, you know, to put up bigger numbers than what he's been able to put up. Um, yeah. you know, so you can blame him, you can blame Stefanski, you can, you know, blame whoever you want. It, it hasn't happened yet, but I still think the guy's got great hands and, and great ability. You know, I'm not saying he's a guy who's ever going to, you know, have eight, 800 or a thousand yards receiving, but no. you don't really need that to be a, to, no. to be a solid tight end in this league. Right? No. So. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I'm glad he'll be around. So, um, 
you, you were talking about, you know, clues about how this offense is going to look and, you know, and kind yeah. of wondering about it. Um, Elijah Moore was practicing coming out of the backfield. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that. I saw so that. it's it's interesting. Um, you know, it, it talks both about the number two running back a little bit and about you know the the idea of how many wide receivers they can get on the field at once. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. So, so, yeah. so Jeff, we'll we'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, um, we're probably looking at a lot of um, unconventional play sets. Um, just again, listening to what the players are saying about the offense um, in minicamp. Um, and that's exciting. I, I think, you know, the, the fact that it's it's going to be something that keeps defenses guessing. Um, you got a lot of moving pieces here that can can do different things. So um, that that's something to look forward to. I I agree with that. Like we like you said, we don't we're not sure what exactly it's gonna look like, but seeing those highlights and uh, people talking about it, Elijah Moore in the backfield. Well, maybe it's not just Elijah Moore, you know, that's lining up in that spot. They do have mm-hmm. a lot of receivers, and it, yeah, it, it looks like a new look off if they do that more frequently than they had in the past. Like they can use Nick Chubb in that spot, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things they can do, and I, I'm hoping it's going to open up the offense a little bit more than they have been. They haven't been horrible, right? They've made, you know, you can talk about play calling. You can talk about bad things that happened over the last couple of years, especially, you know, 2020, after we made the playoffs and beat Pittsburgh, I was so looking forward to what 21 was going to look like. And it turned into a disaster. And then last year, um, we thought the same thing. They have a lot of talent. How do you exploit this offense? They have a lot of talent on that offense. And I yeah. think what they're looking at is to make it look like the, the opponent has to cover everything. you got to cover the quarterback even because Deshaun Watson can run the ball if he wants to. You know, and you stick a wide receiver in the backfield next next to Nick Chubb. Now, are they going to hand it to Chubb or are they going to send out Elijah Moore? You know, so mm-hmm. I like that. If they do that, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and I'm not comparing the two players directly because of the experience factor. But honestly, having Jerome Ford line up in that spot rather than Elijah Moore, there's not a huge difference. Right. You know, because Ford has the speed and the ability to catch the ball, too. So, um, you know, it, 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 it would it would pose a similar problem. That's a, that's all I'm saying. It causes problems for the defense to decide what you're going to do. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. And I, I like that. I thought we'd see that over the last couple of years. Well, but. You know, last year was kind of a wash because of Watson and he only came back you know, for six games. So Mm -hmm. it was hard to gauge what 
what's going to happen. Now we can see a little bit, of course, according to what they're saying. <laughs> and uh, the offense is going to look different. And that comes from uh, Stefanski himself. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. I would and, argue that the last two seasons, Greg, we've we've really had limitations placed on our offense's ability to run a full complement based on our quarterback's inability to make all the throws. Um, You know, last year it was because of Jacoby's inability to really challenge deep. Um, You know, the year before it was Baker getting hurt and, and really being limited to, to certain types of throws. So this, this is the first time in, you know, in, in a couple of seasons that, that they've really had the chance to open up the playbook with a quarterback who can make every throw mm-hmm. um, and, and mm-hmm. then surround that quarterback with a lot of weapons. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson has said that this is a completely new playbook. So this is really, yeah. I think, you know, Kevin Stefanski being, you know, um, completely f- taking a completely fresh look at how his offense is going to function and not having any restrictions on, you know, what kinds of plays he can run. So, um, you know, that, that's what gets me excited about us eventually being able to put a lot of points on the board. You know, I, I, yeah. I've been cautiously optimistic about that because I, I don't think all those pieces necessarily will fit together immediately. You know, but if the goal is to be playing your best football in December and consistently scoring 30 points, you know, mm-hmm. these kinds of things are what's going to get you there. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree, and I think uh, it it might. Who knows how long it'll take, but they got the tools there. They got right. the tools, like you're saying, they're not restricted at the QB position. Yep, and and it's entirely up to Deshaun to see what he's able to do and get back get back in the groove. I'm just gonna say that you know, because you know yep. you can't you can't judge them after six games last year. And being on for you know how many days, two hundred something days. Yeah. So it sounds like everything I'm reading and seeing is that Deshaun is in a groove, and we saw. I mean, it's just practice. It's mini camp, <laughs> and he's hitting every target. He's hitting every target. It's it's just mm-hmm. practice, but it seems a little different than last year. Last off right. season. It does. It does. So I'm just thinking about this new playbook uh, and and trying to reconcile it with the Kevin Stefanski we've seen over the past, what, three uh, three seasons. And just kind of curious how conservative or open you guys feel he's going to be on on third and short and, and on fourth down. Do you think that's going to, to change this season? I mean, last season it was different because, you know, the third one won, fourth and one, he had Jacoby Brissett. Um, uh, you know, yeah. so it, yeah. it was a different game. Um, just kind of curious how you think third downs are going to look. You know, if you get those third and one, third and two, it, you know, is it going to be a handoff to Nick Chubb every time? Um, mm. You know, and, and is he going – if you could compare this season to last season or season before, is his tendency to go forward on fourth down going to be the same, or do you think it's going to be different? 
Well, I'll go first. Uh, I think that's not going to change. I th- I like when Stefanski does that. It's just the math says you're supposed to go for it, right? A lot of times. Mm-hmm. I actually like that. Some of the play calls you can argue about under those situations. Um, but I like the idea of going forward on fourth and one. You know, mm-hmm. when you mentioned J- uh, Jacoby Brissett, you know what? He was the most successful fourth and one quarterback in the league last year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it never failed. So you get a new set of downs and, you know, see what happens, right? Yeah. But um, yeah. I don't think um, – Stefanski is going to change his it seems like it's gambling you know but it analytics tells you a lot of times when you're at the 40 45 yard line even on the other side of the field you're not kicking a field goal you're not punting you're going to go for it I actually like that but the play calling uh, some of those moments has been suspect but I don't think it's going to change his uh, philosophy on that at all yeah so what are your thoughts, Jeff, and, and what kind of plays do you expect on third and short in particular? Yeah, I, I, th- I think Greg's on the right track as far as, you know, Kevin's not going to reinvent himself. I mean, he, we've mm-hmm. seen him be pretty aggressive in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sort of old school, and, and I honestly think he's been too aggressive at times. Um, I think, you know, in the NFL points are important and, you know, when you go for it on fourth down, when you're in field goal range and you've got a field goal kicker with a strong leg, you know, the, the philosophy may be, well, we want to show, you know, confidence in our offense and we want to, you know, put the other team on their heels and so forth. But man, I would like to see us take those points sometimes because the, the, the games typically come down to a few points and, Mm -hmm. I hate the fact that, you know, we miss a three, you know, a pretty guaranteed three points at times. Um, and then we come away with nothing, you know? So, um, yeah. I would like to see us show the same kind of confidence in our kicker. You know, hopefully Cade York evolves into that kind of reliable weapon, you know, that we can, can take those, those long field goal attempts and, and feel like we're going to, you know, put, put points on the board, um, but as far as, you know, how, how he's going to game plan for short yardage, um, I mean, he knew that the, the, the Jacoby Brissett play worked, right? So he went to it over and over and over. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll find something this year that works also, and, and they'll use it, you know, whether it's a jet sweep with Elijah Moore or, you know, um, a keeper with, with DW. I mean, there's going to be some play that's going to be his go-to in those situations, but it's really about just hand off to Dewan Jones. It's really <laughs> about just cohesiveness yeah. with the offense. You know, the, yeah. the, if the off, yeah, I, I caught that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tackle eligible. I'm still saying, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, it, I, I think it's going to be fun to, to watch all those different possibilities because that's what you can do with such a diverse roster with so many different weapons and so many different ways to, to beat your opponent um, that you don't have to rely on Jacoby Brissett and a cloud of dust. <laughs> One more thing on that. Does, 
does the way your defense is playing and how good your defense is affect those decisions or do you want it to affect those decisions to go for it? You know, I, I would say the fourth downs, it's, it shouldn't affect the way you go for it on third, but should it affect the fourth down uh, decision-making? Mm. What, because of, a, because of a weak defense? I mean, I'm thinking because the defense is, is, is strong. You know, if your if your defense is playing, oh yeah, for better, sure. You know, oh, should you sure. go for less often on fourth down? Oh, yeah. more often for sure. If you got a, a solid confidence in your defense and they're playing well, and last couple of years they have not been playing well, um, you definitely go for it for sure. That increases the idea that you're going to go for it in those questionable situations. Like Jeff was saying, do you take the three right now? Or do you go for seven? You know, and so the, that's where the math comes in. You go for it, you get it, you end up scoring seven, you gain four points instead of three points. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, in principle, you, you want to be it. aggressive, yeah, to, to put points on the board. I think it's situational. It depends on, you know, what kind of field position you're going to leave your defense in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But – I think if you're if you're confident that you have a shutdown defense and they're consistently pitching as close as you can get to a shutout in the NFL, right? Sure. Uh, because yeah. nobody shuts anybody down. Um, but if your defense is playing at a high level and, and you know you're you're getting that kind of confidence built in them, it sure changes for sure what you do offensively. I think you you, you definitely can take more chances and try to score more points. Especially teams that don't have a powerful offense. You know, the Browns, I mean, statistically, the last couple of years, their offense is what? Like middle of the road? Um, what's their overall yeah, rate? Probably. What? I would, say it's, I would say it's been middle of the road. I mean, last season it was well, actually like 12, pretty good with 15, Jacoby. Yeah, it was around it was it was around that when Jacoby was playing. Yes, but if but if you're a team that has, um, you know, a really at the bottom of, of the offense, around 28, you know, 30, 32, whatever, you're not going to go for it in those situations. So if you have a good defense, and Stefanski's already proven he's a gambler. And I actually like that. It is sometimes he, uh, the play calling, whether it was his fault or not, whatever, someone broke, you know, it's not always his fault. Someone blew an assignment and the play got blown up. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's going through the analytics. That's what they do. And the analytics always, almost always tell you to go for it. Yeah. And, and so that whole thing about the, um, I'm going to change the subject real quick, um, about the kickoff, you know, where the fair catch goes to the 25. So that's going to play into things too, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's interesting. I can kind of see it both ways, guys, because if, especially if, if you've been able to put some points on the board, and you have a good defense, to me at that point you don't have to keep gambling. You just you go down and you take your three because you believe in your defense. Uh, but early in the game, I think you're right. You know, um, having a good defense allows you to take those chances. So um, 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I was kind of thinking of both directions. You know, you, you could say the good defense tells you just take whatever points you can get, and it's probably going to be enough. Or you can say it, it allows you to take the chances to try to score more points early. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of goes both ways. So um, anyway, uh, Nick Chubb is dedicating the rest of not the season, uh, but his career to, to Jim Brown. <laughs> uh, and this goes back to, to the story that, um, that Jim Brown actually – uh, was asked to watch film of Nick Chubb before he was selected and, and gave his approval um, mm-hmm. to the selection of, of Nick Chubb, which which apparently I, I think everybody in the world knew this except Nick Chubb because <laughs> um, Nick Chubb just found this out um, or, or it was just confirmed to Nick Chubb by, yeah. by John Dorsey, I think. And I thought this story was already out, guys. I wasn't um, sure because I until Nick Chubb said that I wasn't sure that was true or not. You know, I absolutely believe Nick Chubb that it absolutely is true. Yeah, but Jim I, Brown I thought, was always working behind the scenes. You know, every year. Yeah, I thought there was at least word of this having happened. So um, maybe All Nick right. Chubb heard it but didn't know if it was true or not until right. he, until he heard it from oh, Dorsey. Yeah. That that's probably the case, but. Anyway, Nick Chubb, um, just you know, just a little more, um, a little more reason for him to work hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, just a little more reason for people to be fearful of him running at them and getting ready to, you know, to to stiff arm them into the ground. Um, <laughs> it's it, this can't be a bad thing, right, guys? I, I love mean, it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> When he said that, when that story came out, and I was like, I love this guy more than I already did. He just, (laughs) you know, when he first came in as a rookie, you know, somebody, I think it was Duke Johnson, that nicknamed him the old school, right? He's quiet, puts his head down, he works hard. That's what Nick Chubb is. And um, I I just love that guy. And if they, you know, we always hear about his name out there. They're going to keep them, and what's going to happen? You know, running backs are valuable this year. You know, anymore. I'll cry if they if if they decide <laughs> to trade Nick Chubb. I will cry. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll be at that that party with you. Definitely, <laughs> man. Um, he I mean he just represents the Browns and everything that's you know. Yeah. Everything that's that's good about the Browns, everything that the Browns franchise represents to me, Nick yeah. Chubb represents, you know? Yeah, but it's a business. On the other hand, it's a business. Yeah. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen. And uh, But I think with that, this whole story that came out last week or whatever it was about Jim Brown mentoring him and wanted to take him in the draft, um, and he dedicated his season – not just the season, his whole career <laughs> to uh, Jim Brown, and I—that's that's great. He's such—he's such a good player to follow, even if you're not a Browns fan. Yeah, I mean, he's the kind of guy that, um, that yeah, he goes. 
if something does happen, I, I think we would all be Nick Chubb fans for the rest rest of our lives, the rest of his career anyways. Uh, that's just the kind of guy he is. But uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Jeff, we, we – we have like a Nick Chubb love section on almost every podcast we do. Right. <laughs> um, just just to give you a chance to to um, put your thoughts in on you know what this dedication might mean to to the league and to uh, Nick Chubb's coming season. Yeah, it, it, we we've talked about you know how various players in the team and everybody's going to honor Jim Brown, and I, I, that's all great. Um, I guess my question is, is, you know, this is year six for Nick Chubb, right? Um, if he's emulating Jim Brown, does that mean he's going to retire after four more seasons? Well, he's dedicating his career to him. So um, I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think only that. Got, you know, we, nine years, Jim Brown was done. So I don't know. Hope, yeah. hope that's not the case. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think he. I think he was trying to say he was just trying. He he wants to finish his career in Cleveland. That's the message I got. Whether it's you know, four more years or ten more years, I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. To me. I don't he think we have to worry stay. about Nick Chubb going out to L.A. and making movies. So I hope. I not. don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> not unless they're not unless they're uh, silent movies, right? Um, Right. Yeah, Nick's Nick, not not a big talker, which is just fine. Well, Jim um, Brown had his pieces in those old movies too, you know. And I don't think he talked too much. I'm not, you know, I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen all of his movies, you know. But it, it's a pretty cr- incredible story, isn't that man? <laughs> it is. So, guys, th- this is a good time to throw out. The the trivia question that we have for the listeners, because we put a trivia question out last week and believe it or not, the response was underwhelming. The uh, the uh, the network is um, is giving away two tickets to the Browns game um, on week four against the uh, the Ravens. So, and all you have to do is, is, you know, last week we gave out an email address to email the answer to, well, we're going to make it a little bit easier. All you have to do is in, instead of emailing the fanatical elves network, because I guess okay. that was, I guess that was a challenge and people didn't want to do that. All right. All you have to do is send me or the Browns blitz a DM Mm-hmm. with the answer to this question and you will be entered to win two tickets to a Browns game. Okay. It's not yeah. hard. It's not hard. So everybody, everybody just do it. Okay. Um, well, the question might be hard. <laughs> it, it can't be any easier than last week. So I just, so I came up with a question. We're right. talking Nick Chubb. So all I want is, all I want to know are, is who are the two running backs that Nick Chubb needs to pass or and probably will pass this season to go into second place on the all-time Browns rushing list. Okay. That's all I'm looking for. Okay. So right. DM those to to me at Clee Rodby or to the Browns Blitz at the Browns Blitz and you um and you'll be entered to win the uh to win the two tickets to the Browns Ravens game week four. 
And don't be afraid. Somebody's got to win these tickets. It might as well be you. <laughs> there you go. So go ahead and repeat the question because I'm a little bit slow. Go ahead. One more time. Um, too. Um, right, right now, Nick Chubb is sitting at fourth place on the Browns' rushing list. Okay. So he, he has two players in front of him that he will likely pass this season and, and end up second on the list. I just want to know who those players are. So who are okay. the players that are currently sitting at number two and number three on the Browns' all-time leading rusher list? That's I'll give you, That's I'll give you a hint. One of them's in the Hall of Fame. Hey, One of them's be, in the Hall, well, yes. It's, okay, yeah. Well, I think it's an easy one. Someone should DM you, Rod, and get two free tickets. I think sure. I think a whole lot of people should DM me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, come on. Um, yeah, Browns tickets. Uh, this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So you might as well get a couple tickets and, and go see that Ravens game. Because um, the Browns are due to beat the Ravens this season. So, yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. So I'll, I'll watch the DMs and right, you guys will be honored. It. So. So what let's give two, what two running backs are gonna is Nick Chubb possibly gonna be in the all time rushing record, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's yeah, it's, yeah. It's a pretty good chance he's gonna do it. So. All right. Let, let's move on. Got uh, a couple other things here. Let's see. The Browns. The Browns hired Jim Washburn as a defensive consultant okay jim washburn is um 73 years old um and he's got a ton of experience at the collegiate and and the uh and the professional nfl level um he he last worked with the miami dolphins in 2017 guys so he hasn't worked for a while Um, he's coming coming out of retirement essentially to to take this gig to work with Jim Schwartz oh. on this defense. So um, I, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about Jim Washburn other than, other than what I read. Um, he's, he's definitely been around. So um, yeah, but it, but it's been a little while. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts. So, uh, so Jeff, what, uh, what do you know about Jim Washburn and, or um, any thoughts on adding another brain to the, to the defensive side of the football? Yeah, I mean, this defense is really going to be built around featuring the defensive line, right? That's sort of Jim Schwartz's calling card. Um, yeah. So there, there's a lot of information to impart on the players and, um, you know, schemes to teach. So, you know, one more experienced voice is, I think, a great thing. But um, sort of the, the behind-the-scenes scuttlebutt is that, um, you know, that, that Washburn is, is very close to Indomica Sioux. Uh, has a lot of history with him and and uh, that that could potentially mean that this would be a landing spot for him at some point. Now, let's not everybody get all excited about that, and, you know, start a daily Twitter watch for it to happen. But um, <laughs> because Dominica Sue is, is a lot like D hop, you know, they, they don't like to practice. They, they're, they're going to sign when it's time to go for real at this point in their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Something to just keep your eye on down the road. Um, you know, does does that affect the landing spot? Um, and knowing that that we need another veteran D tackle, um, and you know, hopefully a guy that can 
could put us over the hump there. Um, and probably, you know, Indomitka Sue's got enough meanness left in his tank to, to do that for us. Well, well, well what? Well, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. Washburn and Schwartz were probably both in Detroit when Sue was there, I'm assuming. Yes, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Greg. Go ahead. Anyway, um, I heard my sources told me the Dominican Sioux bought a house in Stromsville. <laughs> <laughs> Just this morning, right? Yeah, this morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I like about you, Greg. Is those those jokes just never wear out. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I know I know what you're saying, uh, Jeff, because the connection between Swartz and Washburn, but I don't know anything about Washburn either. You know, so uh, it, it it could make sense. And what is uh, Ndamukong Sue's status right now. He's just a free agent waiting to sign with somebody, right? Yep, yep. Wait, waiting to sign, or, or I mean, he almost retired after you know um, the uh, the what the twenty one season. Yeah, you know. So um, so he he's the kind of guy he'll come play if it's the right fit for him. If not, he's probably good. Yeah, you know that'd be my thought. So so if if he wants to come and play on this defensive line with these coaches, then, then it might be an attractive fit for him and he'd, he'd probably come, yeah. but he's not he's, just going to, he's, he's not just going to go sign with a crap team just to, just right. to pick up another paycheck. Yeah. He's, he's, not he's 36 years old. Um, right. You know, he's going to be a role player. Right. Um, but you know, like I said, from a, 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 a leadership standpoint, and an experience, you know, a, a championship level play standpoint, um, you know, that's that's the kind of role player that, you know, you're looking to plug in, you know, in those last few weeks of camp um, that for me is the difference between, you know, a really good team and a potentially championship team is just, you know, that sort of experience level. Right. And, and like yeah. I said, he's he's still one of the meanest guys in football. So, um <laughs> You know, it sort of sets a tone, right? He'll, he'll probably be that when he's 50, whether he's playing or not. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got an attitude, and that's what I like about him. You know, early in his career, he ran through you know, some troubles with his attitude, you know. <laughs> right. But uh, he would add depth. You know, if nothing else, he would add depth to the defensive line that we you know, that we need, you know, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting to think about, you know, even when you think he's, he's 36, but yeah, just, just uh, having a role player of that caliber, you know, a guy to come in and just play, you know, however many snaps, you know, whether it's two or 300 snaps or something over the course of the season could, could make a a huge difference. It really could. He should be a good locker room guy, believe it or not. He used to be a horrible locker room guy at this stage in his career. He could be a good locker room guy. Like you said, with his experience. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think he would enjoy this defensive line. So, and uh, yeah, well, Well, listen, I got to pause and get a tweet out about this, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so, um, we, we've, we've touched on uh, Deshaun Watson quite a bit already, guys, but um, it just sounds like his his ability and his, his confidence just, um, you know, he, he's looked very good 
um, and he feels very good. But again, it, it it's camp, and it's, yeah. it's yep. June. Yeah. So uh, just kind of wanted to get a feel for how you guys felt. I mean, how, how excited can you get at this point? I mean, it, it's great to see him out there doing things well. But how much can that possibly mean for the season? You know, for when when they're, you know, out there in pads and, um, you know, actually hitting each other and things like that. I, I would say, Rod, it beats the alternative, right? Um, I'd, I'd be worried if he was out there still stinking it up like the last six games of last year. True. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But but right now it's you know it's it's just about muscle memory, and and developing a sense of of um, you know timing with your teammates, um, and you know the longer that that works well, the more chance you have of it being successful long term, right? So I, I'm glad to see that he's he's really hit the reset button, and you know his his head's in the right place now. Yeah. So, Greg, are you more excited about the the confidence that Watson seems to have, or the or the um, uh, what do I want to call it? The uh, um, you know the, the way he seems to be meshing with some of the new wide receivers, or really all the receivers, I guess. You know, yeah, the timing I mean, seems to be there. Yeah, I mean, this is he's got a full camp. OTAs, we got mini camp, then we're going to have another full camp in July. Um, I'm not sure he had that last year. Remember, he what he was allowed to play with the players in October last year, right? Before he was reinstated. Yeah, he was allowed to go through part of camp. I don't remember how much yeah, of it. Yeah, he did part of camp. Um, yeah. No, I think it's obviously helped him. And he got those six games under his belt. And then now we're getting to a full new season, a full off season. Um, it, obviously, it's going to help. It should help his confidence because he's been off, you know, practically speaking, two years. You know, and so uh, I like what I see. I see the highlights every day on Twitter, you know, at the camp. And he's looking great. And so are the receivers. So if we can keep that momentum <laughs> into the start of the season, um, even in, uh, I'll be honest with you, I think Deshaun Watson should play during the preseason. I agree. Seriously. Yeah, he yeah we, we've talked a little bit about that. Yeah. He yeah. needs snaps. He needs snaps yep. in live situations. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously he's talented. You know, there's no question of what he can do. But it's about getting together with those players and your team and being cohesive, you know, and understanding what you're supposed to be doing on every snap. So uh, I think the, I think he's taken the way it looks like, at least in practice, <laughs> um, he seems a lot, a lot more confident. A lot more confident. Uh-huh. Yeah, and what you're talking about with him 
needing or, or you know, the, the, the thought that he should play more in, in uh, you know, in the preseason games. When we talked about that, we were talking about that kind of as it, as it ties into the schedule and the fact that the Browns have such a tough beginning to the schedule. Brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you can't, he doesn't have the luxury of coming out and playing two easy teams and getting loose, you know, and getting yeah. ready. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, I think you have to play him. I mean, uh, at least a bit more than what you normally would. I don't know. Uh-huh. It's de- it's definitely not going to be the Hall of Fame game, you know, against the Jets. I by the way, I think that's a revenge game. You know, <laughs> the- <laughs> yeah, it should be. It should we, be. <laughs> we blew the thirty-one to thirteen lead or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that to me, I'm going to be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after that, yeah, I mean, he should play like the second preseason game. I don't know one quarter even i mean just to get him some snaps in live situation yep yeah yeah uh, just just one quick question and then i got one more topic guys um who who's going to and this isn't a binding question right now because we haven't you know we haven't seen any uh preseason games or anything but gut feeling who's going to lead the browns in receiving yardage this this season Huh. <laughs> well, that's funny. I gotta look that up because <laughs> I was looking up like the. I live. I live in Las Vegas, right? But I don't bet on games. I don't bet at any sports because I'm I'm really bad at it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love yeah. hearing people talk about why they bet what they do. So, what was your question again? Go ahead. Who, who is going to lead the Browns in receiving yardage this season? Yeah, I don't think that's a prop bet out right now out here. Cause I yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Right. There's, there's probably bets like, is Nick Chubb going to win the rushing title and things like that, but not. Yeah. Not, and people don't care who's going to lead the Browns in receiving yardage because it's it's always like the, the 30th top receiver in the league or something. Well, off the off the top of my head, I'm just going to say Amari Cooper. That's obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the safe answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's the obvious answer, right? That's you, that's what you're paying him to do. You know, mm-hmm. right, um, right. So if we if we took him off the table, okay, then then who's the next most likely? Um, there's probably three or four guys in my mind that will be or have the potential to be in that 800 to a thousand yard range. And there could be multiple guys that do that. Um, oh. For me, it's, it's, it's going to really depend on how the final room settles out, you know, and, and, and who ends up being the three guys that, that get most of the snaps. Um, you know, there's a still a possibility that we could see a shakeup in the receiver room, mm-hmm. um, and you know, right. somebody get somebody get traded, right? Um, Possible. So yeah. that would that would move somebody else up. Um, I mean, we're seeing an awful lot of of, of meshing going on with um, Marquise Goodwin in camp. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think 
Cedric Tillman is kind of a dark horse again, depending on what happens in camp and, and, you know, where his opportunities come from. Um, and, and you gotta like the potential of Elijah Moore as, as a guy that can really be a game changer for us. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if he's a game changer, but he's going to fill that hole that, um, Jarvis Landry had, right? That's what I'm thinking about Elijah Moore. With a lot more speed, though. I know. A lot more, yeah. He he can stretch the field in the slot position, and that's what might be a game changer. If if he's able to do that, obviously we know what he can do. He's a good receiver, but he's a slot receiver, you know. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I... I remember back in the days when Brian Brennan was a slot receiver, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's somehow, some way, he'd catch a pass 60 yards downfield from Bernie Kozar because he was always open. <laughs> he he was always open. He found know? a way to get open. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think Elijah Moore could be, you know, because he can, he, yeah, he can tote somebody, you know, yeah. going down the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's it's probably between Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, um, you know, just just depending. I mean, Amari Cooper proved what he could do last season. Now you add more depth around him, and it should be it, that should be to his advantage. You know, he he should have an easier time getting open. Um, you know, not that he had a lot of trouble last season, honestly, but um, yeah, but yeah, so. Uh, but, Those two but, guys yeah. will get will get the most targets. They'll get the most targets, but I mean, but, honestly, I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones was within two, three hundred yards of Cooper last season, so you yeah. know, I mean, you can't really write him off. And and if David Njoku plays a full season, I mean, he could be or he could, in theory, be around a thousand yards too as yeah. a receiver. Yeah. So um, it's it'll be fun. If if I was going to bet, I would still bet on a Mark Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Just because he's a professional receiver, man, and and you put guys around him, and he is going to be standing with nobody within ten yards of him, <laughs> you know, five times a game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how good he is. So, uh, one more thing, guys. Uh, Joel Batonio said that he feels that the offensive line is still learning to block for Deshaun Watson. Uh-huh. So, just want to get your thoughts. I mean, my first thought is. Well, well, duh, it's probably going to take a long time. Um, but how, how, you know, what's your reaction? Um, what's your reaction, Greg? And, and um, you know, how long do you expect, expect it to, to take for the offensive line to, to really make strides and really improve to the point of, you know, where they're doing, I guess, what you'd call an acceptable job of, of blocking for him? Well, when did Batonio say that? I, I think he just it. said it today. Today, okay. Today or within within the last day or two, yeah. Well, I'm not sure what he means by, you know, protecting for Deshaun Watson, but basically that means he's able to break the pocket, extend the play, learn how to block under, under those circumstances. Because, you know, Watson is not going to be under center. He's going to be in the shotgun, right? Don't we agree on that? Mostly, yeah. Mostly Most in the shotgun. Yeah. And so plays break down, things happen. 
Deshaun Watson's got some legs. He can run or he could throw. That's what I think Batonio's talking about, you know. And um, it should take long <laughs> to figure out that Deshaun Watson is a talent. Just let him do what he does. Just give him time. I mean, like people talked about Jed- Jedrick Wills, you know, and I, I actually like Wills. I'm not sure what happened to him over the last one year or two years. Um, it seems like I've seen a lot of things about him having a lack of effort. I think he's still a left tackle, you know, and who else are you going to, who are you going to put in there in his place? Yeah. But, um, yeah. but, you know, maybe that's what Batonio's talking about. He's sending a message to, to the rest of the offensive line, you know, that you need pass blocking to make this work. You know? So right. uh, we'll see. That's a good point. He could be speaking as just as a leader. So, yeah. so Jeff, Jeff, what do you what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, to me, it's obvious that seventy five listens to this podcast because we covered this a couple of weeks ago. We did, um, yeah, yeah. We talked about the need, you know, for the offensive line to adjust to to Deshaun Watson's playing style after playing, you know, with Jacoby Brissett, who was completely different. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it 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 it's imperative that these guys all get used to the idea that um, they're not just holding a pocket now. There's going to be right. a moving pocket, right? Yeah. So that's what um, I'm yeah. I think that's what he's alluding to is that, you know, the, the past is gone. This is what we're doing going forward. And, you know, we, we saw sort of the, the, the inability for, you know, the inability of the offensive line to be able to do that for Deshaun and, and for him to be able to react to what they were doing in those last six games. And I think we talked about that's why it was really such a throwaway experience for those six games that, that those pieces didn't really fit. You know, so yeah. hopefully that's, that's you know, that's what he's talking about. And that's the focus of, of the offensive line play is, is giving Deshaun Watson the, you know, the, the kind of time that he needs um, to execute yeah. the plays, you know, I think, yeah, I think yeah. he was sending a message to the rest of the, cause Betonio is a consummate pro, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and he knows he's been around long enough and he's been very successful. So he's sending a message to the rest of the line. Cause by the way, last season, our offensive line wasn't very good, you know, for right. a lot, you know, very yeah, not what we're what used that, to. No. What inconsistent, you know. I'll yeah. just say that. You know, yeah. so. And he's a veteran. I like his. Le- he's a leadership. You know, he's a leader. That's what he's doing. Yeah. And so yeah. let me ask you guys: um, the schedule is game one, um, Cincinnati at Cleveland, and the line is plus two and a half Browns. Who are you taking? Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm plus, taking the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> you're taking the Browns plus two and a half. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jeff. Yeah, boy, it's so hard to know which Browns team is going to show up against the Bengals. <laughs> you know, because cool. of the first. I, I, the, overall, yeah. the Browns have played pretty darn well against the Bengals. So I, I think if they're going to, yeah, be able to break this this opener they've won one exactly one home opener 
Like in, okay, uh, they have one home opener years. in 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won one yeah. game. And yeah, who was it, that against? It's a trivia question. Oh, boy. Who did they beat since 1999 in their home opener? That's a great I don't question. Know the ans- I don't know the yeah, answer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know that one. Yeah. Well, that's a trivia question you can ask. But um, I'm going to say because the Browns are so poor on their opening uh, opening game, whether it's home or away, they've been bad. I'm going to say they're going to beat Cincinnati. I'll take them plus two and a half. Yeah, I think if you're giving me points, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say that I'll probably cover with, the, you know, with the points. Uh, but it, it could be one of those nail biters, you know, where it comes down to a made or missed field goal at the end. Yeah, it's, I think yeah. it's going to, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead, Rod. I just feel like like if the Browns are going to break this thing, they're going to do it in a big game like this against a team that they that they're confident against. And I think they have as much confidence against the Cincinnati Bengals as they do any team in the league. That's just how I feel. I I think they and the Bengals don't intimidate the Browns one bit. Not at all. Uh, no, totally they they go out you. there and just play their game and yeah. and you know, and and then, I, I mean, I don't know what the record is over the past three, four seasons, but the Browns have beat them more often than that. So, yeah. um, I, I I just I I think uh, and I think a home opening win would just you know would especially with the the look of that schedule, you know, it could be it could be huge. Yeah, the right. schedule so, is super tough, man. It does. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And so the first four games, and then we got the bye week and come back and play San Francisco. So it's going to be tough, but we'll see how. I think they should start out of the gate fast, unlike other seasons. <laughs> you know, if they can, well, if they can pull hope. off a win against Cincinnati, that's going to give them so much confidence, especially Deshaun Watson. So Maybe. I have another question. Um, the over-under on wins. I'm not a betting man. I'm just going by Vegas still, you know. It's all right. So, the over-under on wins for the Browns this year is nine and a half. What do you take, Rod? Nine and a half? Um, I would I would have to take the over. I can't believe okay. this team's going to go um, nine and eight with this roster. I would think that I would... I'd be shocked if they go nine and eight with this roster unless something just, you know, awful happens. Um, That's cool. You know, That's good. Um, yeah. I, I would think 10 and seven and 10 and seven doesn't necessarily even get them to the playoffs. True. That's you true. Know? So yeah. I, I, if I were going to bet, I would, I would bet over. Mm-hmm. Jeff. Yeah. So the, the Browns are playing the, the fourth place schedule this year so they they play um six teams that are really bad or, or were really bad last year um and and a couple of other teams that that look like they're probably going to be pretty bad this year um <laughs> so you know if, if you if you're able to split your division that's 10 wins um yeah. the, the the wild card is is that you know we've got half of those division games like in the first four weeks 
which you know right. we've which all is, said is is really garbage. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's it's an garbage. unenviable yeah. position to be in, you it know, is. with yeah. with a team that's trying to to put a bunch of new pieces together, right? Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that that nine and a half is the line because it could easily be nine, it could easily be ten. It's probably not going to be very far from either one. So. <laughs> if if they do really well in those first four games, it's probably going to be ten, right? Um, I just think I just think. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, that, that's it. I mean, if if they don't do well in those first four games, it it could easily be eight or nine. But yeah. I don't think they're going to be a whole lot worse than that, or a whole lot better than that. I think they need to start out strong in the first four weeks um, to have a chance to get ten wins. And like yes. Rod said. Even if you get ten wins, that doesn't guarantee you a playoff spot. The way it's right. set up. Yeah. Right. So uh, yep. here I have another question: How many times does Kevin Stefanski say, "Be careful how you answer this"? How many times has <laughs> Kevin Stefanski says, "We need to be better. I need to be better." <laughs> <laughs> How many well, games that are depends there? on the record. Yeah, depends <laughs> on the record. Yeah. How many yeah. times the old the over under is nine and a half? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. If if they win ten games, I'm, he's going to say it seven times. And, yeah. Right. Right. So, right. So right. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I'm yeah. just saying, man, it's going to be good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the season. I, I I can be pessimistic sometimes, you know, like everybody else, but I'm always hyped yeah. for the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's either, either going to be coach of the year. Or he's going to get fired, right? That's probably a pretty good exactly. chance. Exactly. One or the other. Right. Kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I I think it's it's going to be a fun season just based on the roster and the talent. So I I, I think we're going to see a lot of. A lot of fun stuff. Um, that's at least that's what I'm hoping for. Yep. So, so yeah. So, uh, all right, guys. Let's let's get some closing thoughts. Um, Greg, if you have anything else you'd like to share with with the listeners, the great <laughs> fans of the Cleveland Browns, uh, the floor is yours. Okay. So thank you, Rod, for having me. Nice to meet you both, Jeff and Rod, and. Um, I'll just say I I've been a Browns fan since 1974. It I used to live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I was a kind of a Bears fan, Packers fan. I don't even know. I was only eight years old, but uh, my family moved to Northeast Ohio. I became a Browns fan in '74, and I've been a fan ever since. I had season tickets uh, in the early late 80s, early 90s for about four or five years in the dog pound. Um, the team is so much fun. They have so much history. And we've all got a, a you know an emotional attachment to the Cleveland Browns for good reason. So I'm always optimistic despite some of the jokes I make on Twitter, despite some <laughs> criticism, I'd say, you know, I don't ever name players. I, well, maybe I do. <laughs> you know, but, um, 
I will criticize the Browns and uh, because we've been going through hell since 1999, right? Actually, yeah. it's been longer than that, but the new generation has been 1999. So I appreciate everything about it, you know, and it's that's my team. Yeah, that's it. All right, that's Greg Urjavec. Follow him at Urgeman Las Vegas. Clee West is his. Uh, I guess the uh, what you what do you call that when you put that on Twitter? I don't even know. Anyway, handle um, or whatever. That, that's your handle. Yeah, that's your handle. Know. That's not your ad. It's your handle. So that's yeah. what everybody knows you as. Anyways, and Clee West, an excellent follow. So. Uh, if you're not following him, make sure you make sure you do that. So, so uh, great having you, Greg. Uh, Jeff, any closing thoughts tonight? Yeah, this, this is going to be a good team. Um, Greg's right. This is this is an easy team to be optimistic about. Just looking at this roster on paper, and you know, no matter who ends up on the first 53 and on the final 53, there's going to be depth. There's going to be plenty of talent. Um, the, the real question for this organization is, is, can we finally get over the hump and become a respectable, consistent organization? Um, and the way that's going to happen is by, by getting wins. Um, so we've got a good chance of, of that happening. Um, I feel pretty, pretty optimistic that we're going to be able to, to, to put some wins together this year against a fourth place schedule. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Put ourselves finally on that path that we've been looking for for so long of just being, you know, competitive year in and year out, right? Because there's just so many ways you can keep a roster like this together and and continue to build on that that winning tradition, right? Um, so whether it's nine wins or ten wins, whether we win the division, whether we go first round, second round of the playoffs, whatever it is, I'm going to be happy if we can just accomplish that this year. And, and be be viewed by the NFL and, you know, by fans around the country as a solid competitive organization, finally, after 24 seasons. Man, you guys have me ready to watch some football. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you, Jeff. Man, I'm always optimistic. Um, we all are at Brown fans. Um, you have to be, right? We, we have to be because I'm never going away. Despite what some people accuse me of, you know, sometimes um, I criticize the Browns. I'll laugh about the Browns. I'll enjoy the successful Browns, everything about them. You know, that's that's just what it is. So uh, but I ain't going away. So. uh, Nope. Absolutely. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. (laughs) 